The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi, looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi, making Kiwi better off. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of ambivalent about trips to open homes. They can be exciting. There's something about the freshness of going into a place and imagining yourself there, a future, maybe a family in the future. Maybe this is the moment when you come together with your partner and start to dream about life with kids or maybe what settling down and being in a place. Maybe it's got a great view out the front. Maybe it's got a view of the sea or a river or something. And you think, wow, this could be us. And then, of course, there's the risks. There's the danger that you're just about to buy yourself a lemon. So you have to do the work. You have to understand, is this a leaky building? Maybe it's leasehold and there's a risk that the value might drop. Can I get a loan on this property? Isn't an apartment that's too small, for example? All of these things start to become risks. So the excitement of the open home suddenly becomes the fear of the open home. This week's episode of When the Facts Change, unfortunately, goes on the fear side of the open home. Because after you listen to this When the Facts Change, you will be terrified of going to an open home and wondering, is this home going to wreck our financial futures with a single letter. This week on When the Facts Change, I talked to Dr. Michael Naylor, who is an expert in climate finance and insurance and banking, who has thought deeply about climate change, how it affects insurers, how it affects land values, and the relationship between insurers and bankers and land values and how our government regulates all this together. And right now, it is the Wild West. Essentially, there's nothing to stop you from going into an open home, putting your money down, buying the house, and suddenly discovering you can't insure it. And that might have just changed. In fact, the owner of the home who sold it to you doesn't have to tell you. And neither does the real estate agent. In fact, none of this information even has to be anywhere official, like a land information memorandum, the thing they call the LIM. And this means that climate change is something that will flow through into the estimates that insurers have of the risk of particular properties. House by house, street by street, drain by drain, they will work out what the risks are and how those risks are changing because of climate change. And it's all very topical and, and ever-present at the moment because of what's happened with cyclones Hale and Cyclone Gabrielle, where entire areas were flooded. 
sometimes for the second or third time. They are now rightly wondering, am I insurable? And for those who are wondering what this might look like, you only have to go to Wellington over the last decade as the insurers have redone their pricing for specific quake risk property by property, changing from a very widespread, not very informed way of understanding risk to going into an area and looking at which house is most likely to be wrecked by an earthquake, because now they can come up with these very specific maps and forecasts. Now that that's starting to be done, the letters are going out. And that letter, that little cellophane window in the letter that you get from the box is the moment that could wipe you out. Because when you get that letter that says, suddenly your insurance premiums have gone from $500 a year to $10,000 a year, or even worse, you're not insured at all, then you are unbankable. Then it is impossible, if the buyer knows, to actually sell your home. And then you're in a position where in New Zealand, where it's all about land ownership to know whether or not you have a financial future and you're rich, suddenly you're wiped out. And this poses some really big questions for our body politic, for voters, taxpayers, particularly renters, who risk being lumped with the cost, the broad cost of the taxpayer having to bail out those people who bought the clifftop property and suddenly say, I had no idea about climate change. I had no idea there was a risk here. I had no idea the insurer wouldn't insure me. And it also is an issue for the banks. As the Reserve Bank pointed out in some research this week, about a quarter of the mortgages in Auckland are exposed to flood risk. Now, the banks themselves are safe because it's the homeowner that gets wiped out before the bank. And this is something that the Reserve Bank rightly, as the regulator for insurers and banks, is starting to look at most closely. But the thing we should look at the closest of all is the risk that the home you're about to buy when you go into the open home may be about to be uninsurable. And the last thing you want is that letter with the cellophane window, which you open up at the mailbox, which says you're uninsurable, you've been wiped out. It means that the trip to the open home is something that generates the sort of anxiety that will become the anxiety when you go to the mailbox. I'm Bernard Hickey. That's this week on When the Facts Change. We take a deep dive into the world of climate change, insurance, banking, and the most important thing in Aotearoa, how valuable is your land? Well, kia ora, and welcome into When the Facts Change to Dr. Michael Naylor, who is a senior lecturer at Mass University in uh, insurance and banking. Uh, Michael, welcome into the show. Thank you. Could you tell me how insurers think about flood insurance and premiums and how they work it out? I mean, there's not much of this so far. I mean, insurers have been doing lots of research under the climate change because they are the ones who pay the cost. So they've been doing lots of the modelling and lots of um, costing, but mainly on a global basis, not on a basis here. Only the tower had really looked at um, the cost of a flood so far. And how is that pricing changing over the years, and in particular the last couple of years? Uh, 
Insurers are moving to a price based on your house. So your own risk for quakes or fire or floods, etc. using uh, the council maps, the, the floodplain maps, etc. The main firm they're pushing there is, is Tower, but the other firms are the coming along. The basic thing being is that Tower can then choose their clients by risk and choose the best clients, and the other insurers are left with their high-risk clients. And so particularly in terms of quake risk, they have been quite careful. So the properties of the next door can have quite different risk factors and therefore the different pricing. So tell me, um, how is that expressed for an insurer in its relationship with its customer? They might have had a customer for many, many years, and previously the pricing was very general. It might be, uh, you know, these types of houses in this province are, are priced at this level, but they've now gone through and they're now pricing things house by house based on maps and uh, more detailed uh, a more detailed understanding of the risk of quakes. So what does that mean? Do they s- simply uh, send a new letter to the customer every year saying, okay, we've had another look and we've decided there's a, there's a bit more risk here and therefore your price is going to be X times one and a half? Or do they say, actually, we've had a look and we've decided not to insure you at all? What's, what's the process? They haven't so far turned clients down. They have increased the premiums by four or five or ten times. Particularly in terms of apartments in Wellington, they have had massive increases in, in premiums, which is a hint that you should go to another insurer. And insurance companies so far, as a peer issue, have not uh, refused to accept clients or um, have turned them down. The trouble is that if you turn down your increase of the price from your current insurer, the rest won't touch you. So you have to either go to a special insurer in London. And so how does that affect um, someone's property value and in particular the relationship they have with their bank? Because there's a particular issue here where the bank lends you money for typically a term of 20 or 25 years, but the insurer redoes the contract every year. So there's a sort of a mismatch in the timing of the insurance contract and the mortgage. How do they work together? How how does that, that all play out? So far, the hunters know they don't work together, which is raising a major risk factor. I mean, your mortgage is one or two decades. Your insurance is annual, and you're bound by the covenant to have insurance. So we're facing a future where the properties will have a huge increase in premium or become uninsurable, yet you still have a mortgage. Which means that in the event of a problem, your house has a value and you still owe the mortgage. And um, how does climate change play into what the insurers are doing and um, and the relationship between the insurer and the banks? Because I would have thought as a bank, if I'm lending a lot of money against the value of a piece of land to someone, I want to know whether it's insured, how much it's insured for them, what are the risks that suddenly the costs of the insurance could blow out? No one's ever thought that's true. I mean, especially with floods. I mean, the, the, the major risk factor has been quakes, and there has been lots of research on quake issues. And after the crisis quake, the people realised that the risk factor is vastly more than that they had in the premiums. And now they're thinking through floods. The people are looking mainly at coastal property, which is not that high proportion of our properties. But one of the things about Auckland uh, floods is that there's a lot of them more than coastal. So if we have 
increased rain may be by the, the five or ten times as much. The, the local drains can't cope. So you may be um, in a, a, a place which looks good, but if the, the drains can't cope, you'll, you'll flood whenever there's a, a cyclone. So tell me, you know, how does this play out now? Because if I've just been flooded, and maybe I've been flooded two or three times in two or three years, and the insurance company has, you know, understood with fresh maps and looked at the most recent examples of flooding, decided to uh, either significantly increase the premiums or maybe even to say, no, we can't insure that, suddenly the homeowner with a mortgage gets a letter that says, you know, it's very, very expensive to insure or uninsurable. What happens then to the value of the property and how does the bank deal with this? That's the good question. The currently, the bank doesn't deal with it. I mean, the, the banks have not thought this through. They are at the moment. But, I mean, banks only hold your mortgage. So if you have a, 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 a property with a million bucks, your mortgage is half a million, your property value has to drop in half before the banks are affected. So it's, it's you who lose the initial equity. And the research shows that maybe one in four homes in Auckland is subject to flood damage. So it's not a small matter. And once you include the hill size, like in Wellington with increased uh, rainfall, the hills could start to slip. So over the whole country, it is a major proportion of a home. So we had to stop thinking just about coastal homes. We had to think about floodplains. In the Bay of Plenty, uh, uh, a number of towns there are at or below the, the height of the floodplains. So there could be whole towns where the insurance of the company say, so we can't insure. As long as it's a small proportion of clients, insurance companies offer insurance as a peer exercise. They don't want to get the bad little presser saying we will withdraw floods. But as occurred in Christchurch, if costs are major, they will withdraw. They'll say we, we, we can't offer insurance or we exclude floods. But we'll, I'll give you the fire or, or the quake insurance. And so, the, so far, the flood issue has been minor. But as climate change changes, it, it will be a, an increasing issue. And because insurance is, is annual, people be left with, with no insurance and a, a mortgage. And, and the response of, of, of customers will be to sell the house and not tell the next buyer. Is that legal to do at the moment? Of course. There was a case in, uh, in the Capity where the council required the, the, the uh, coastal climate risk to be put on the limb. Property owners saw that this would affect the property value. Went to court and forced the council to remove that note from their limbs. So when you buy a property, there is no information you get access. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with Kiwi Bank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's Kiwi Bank economist Sabrina Delgado on what's happening with the labour market in Aotearoa. Our slowing economy gives way to higher unemployment, and we're seeing tightness in the labour market quickly abating. Both a recovery on the supply side, with our surging migration, boosting labour supply and loosening some very tight labour market conditions. But now a stronger narrative is coming through. As consumer demand cools, so too is the demand for labour. Firms are no longer hiring with the same gusto. Already, unemployment has started to lift from record lows, and we expect that to continue throughout 2024. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Sabrina and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. 
Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. So what would you do if you were thinking of buying a property? You go to the open home, you know, there's a lovely glossy leaflet. What would you you do to make sure you didn't get stuck with the parcel when the music stopped? Well, you can't buy a coastal property. You can't buy cliff top, cliff bottom. But the problem comes in, you can't tell if the local drains can cope with the storm. And and they cope with the storm, which is two or three, three or four times the historical average. So it is very, very difficult because it's not just um, what happened in the past, it's what's likely to occur in the future. And that makes the property buying increasingly risky if your term of your mortgage is two or three decades. So I'm not talking about a flood damage now, we're talking about the damage in 2043. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's not a matter of, you know, over the next 50, 100 years, climate change is going to increase sea levels and make the storm events more frequent and more severe. Uh, the insurers are actually looking ahead and uh, adapting their models, uh, adapting their maps to account for the rising temperature and the rising extremity and frequency of events. So it may even be, you know, you've had perfectly fine years after years after years, but suddenly the letter comes because the insurer has been looking ahead. Precisely. And, I mean, the the governments have have not done much about the, the climate change. The people who will force change are the insurers because they have the, the risk in terms of money. They are profit-making, so they will, in the end, force change. And they, of course, have another relationship from above them pressing down, which is the reinsurers based in Zurich or London or wherever who are saying, who are giving them a backstop of a big chunk of money for storm insurance or quake insurance and those and those reinsurers are very aware of the climate change issues, and as they go, they are repricing, increasing the price of reinsurance for climate and quake. So, could you tell us a bit more about that relationship between New Zealand's insurers and the reinsurers? Yeah, I mean, our insurers cover the the, the cost of a major the crisis from insurance, like it's, it's for insurance for insurers. Now, the the reinsurers. Are global, so that they are priced based on the global supply and demand. And if the risk is too high, they will just increase the price. One of the problems that insurance tends to be annual. So an insurer here may find their price more than doubles, but they have to buy the insurance, so they had no choice but to pass on the cost to clients. 
which is why most of the people in this country are facing a, a huge of the bill in the next uh, 12 months, for, it's, it's mainly from the reinsurers. There comes a point where the reinsurers say, no, the risk is too much, we won't cover you for the extreme events, which is partly what occurred after the Christchurch, where the reinsurers understood that they had mispriced risk and they had not understood, and we're a small market. So they may say, well, we can't be the bothered. So tell me how advanced the insurers are in incorporating the latest uh, projections, official projections on climate change, sea level rises, increased temperature, increased frequency and severity of floods. Are our insurers, you know, up to date with the latest or do they still have quite a bit of repricing and remodeling to do? And sometimes it's worth knowing which of the companies are more advanced than the others because the risk is you might be with a company that has yet to run its spreadsheet properly. So far, our domestic insurers know they are not advanced. The most advanced is Tower, who who uses the flood maps. But the trouble is those flood maps are based on historical data. So what's occurred in the past? The problem is that that historical data is completely irrelevant. So they're starting to use scenario of the modelling. So you, you have a climate model, change the variable, see what is likely to be the case in, in a two years' time or a decade time, etc. And so you have a maximum or minimum change, and you set future the premiums based on those factors. But it's uncertain, it's probable, not, not, not what has occurred. And that's only just starting. And you change it into maps by the property allocation is something which only at this stage tower is the doing, but it will occur. So we'll find that that, that insurance premiums are becoming quite the, the property specific. So surely there must be some, you know, internet map, a little drop down on Google Maps, or maybe one of these websites like homes.co.nz, where I just push a button and it tells me, what the most up-to-date flood map would mean for my house value or the, maybe the house that I'm looking at buying. Some of the councils will, will give you a flood map, but as I said, that's based on historical the data, which you, you, you can't find maps based on what occurs when the climate changes. And if you look at the, the properties which were flooded in, in, in Auckland, a number had not been affected in the past. So that's the real question. As the climate changes, the properties which are currently low risk can become high risk. And at that stage, your premium jumps or you have a, a flood is exclusion. So this makes me slightly nervous when I'm going to an open home. Uh, <laughs> what would be the best policy outcome so that things were transparent? So these potential changes in flood maps, the effects of climate change are incorporated into uh, the premiums that the insurers charge so that the banks know what's going on and that you don't get yourself into the position where you buy a house thinking, oh, this is a lovely house, it's got a lovely outlook over the stream and uh, hasn't been flooded before um, and no one told me about the insurance issue. Suddenly I get a letter in the mail, I can't sell the property anymore. The value, because of course the value of, of the land is very much dependent on whether it's bankable or not, and if you've got no insurance, it's not bankable. So how do we make sure that you have a transparent market and you don't have these um, horrible, you could call it accidents, where you buy something and before you know it, one letter arrives and it's worthless? We need the information, we need the data. So we need a group to, to publish maps of which houses, which areas are low risk and high risk and how that will likely change in the future. If you look at Auckland, some suburbs have good drainage and some were built wrongly with, with the no capacity to deal with increased floods. And so a property buyer 
can't actually assess future risk. So we need to have maps showing which areas will change as as time goes by. Because remember, this could take a couple of decades. So if you're an older person and, and want to buy a, a, an oceanfront property, the risk is two or three decades' time, there's no danger in you buying that property. If you're a younger person and still around a couple of decades' time, you wouldn't want to touch it. So we do need information both in a limb report and in a model with settings so they can look at the model and put in your own uh, figures and see how your property is affected and you can make your decision. I mean, it's okay for people to take risks. I mean, people buy properties under the top of cliffs and think, okay, the view is worth the risk. So the problem is people want information which is accurate. The climate change doesn't give you it. It, it only gives you a likely change by a likely time. So it sounds like this information should really be made public, be publicly available. And these days with the the use of uh, you know maps on the internet, the ability to use APIs and for you know Google Maps, for example, to be able to overlay flood maps on on the um, uh, the the terrain maps and the, the street view maps that they already have you could actually get to a situation where uh, when you do your research on the house to buy it and when you go to the open home, uh, you actually have the information on what the potential flood risk is, how it's affecting the insurer, and the bank, before they give you the mortgage, also has that information. What is being done at a regulatory and legislative level uh, between the government, the Reserve Bank, which regulates both the banks and the insurers, and the insurers and the real estate agents and the land information memorandums that uh, Land Information New Zealand and councils have, what's being done to ensure we get that good information made public, transparent, so that we don't have um, people suddenly get a letter, getting a letter in the mail saying that their financial futures have been wiped out? The government is, is looking at bringing the maps and the uh, scenarios the government has, has, currently has a land information bill which will ensure that the information is on your report. But as I said, your, your key thing there is can your the, the property be insured? So I've suggested that insurers all have a common model which with well-known factors and that are required to give you an insurance which, which is the guarantee renewed for the term of your the mortgage. So that when you go to your bank, get the mortgage, you, you can be ensured that you have insurance. And if that model can say your premiums will increase at this extent over the next few decades, you, you can look and say, is it worthwhile? The big problem there is that as risk changes over time, that information ensures that your the, the property value will drop. So you could be, you, you uh, buy a cliff top, your property value will fall as the climate risk increases, which as it should be, which the people will complain about. The other problem is that as your premiums rise, people will decide not to buy insurance, which is the commonly occurring abroad. And when they get hit, then they ask the government for compensation. So my fear is that this will turn into an insurance crisis, into a banking crisis, into a government debt crisis. And as a free market person, I think, well, you should have the information, make your choice, you take your risk. And if your decisions are wrong, and then that that's your cost, not the, the taxpayer. Can I put a slightly cynical view to you, which is that landowners are special, that they have more power in the eyes of politicians, and there's nothing scarier to the 
body politic of New Zealand and someone who owns their own home and the land under their home and is suddenly wiped out financially, their birthright of tax-free leveraged capital gains are all gone and someone, usually the taxpayer, the government, should bail them out because it's their right to be rich because they bought that land. And precisely, and that's what happened in Kapiti. But the problem is that if it's a few people, that's fine. But if it becomes to one-fourth one of the population, the government simply can't do it. There is not the money. And the cost from infrastructure, from the climate change, the cost from other things, will basically the bankruptors unless we do something. And people should be told, this is the risk. And if they buy this property, this is a possible time frame. And that removes the reason for complaining and asking for a, a taxpayer subsidy. And, of course, there is in this uh, interim period, this interregnum between some people having some information and everyone having all the information, there's the risk that people will be able to flick on properties without all the declarations, that real estate agents will go out of their way not to know things so that they, they can't be done later on for not disclosing something. There's a case of... Um, like from the, the, the sergeant from Hogan's Heroes, I see nothing, I know nothing uh, to protect them for, for any accusation of misleading a buyer. What do you think that the cases in Christchurch? The 90 of the homes never had a proper foundation rebuild, and you can't know unless you, you get a specialist engineer. So properties were simply, they, they took the insurance, pay out, and then sold. So the property buyers don't know. This means that the property prices are low in, in the worst areas. So, yeah, it, it does come through properties. But people can often look at the view, look at the uh, house, and and buy it regardless. And, and, and Christchurch buyers come in, nice kitchen, nice bedroom, and don't think about the foundations are uh, muted. So th this will occur. They'll think, okay, good clifftop property, nice view, and buy based on impulse and not a rational reason. And so what would you say as a taxpayer later on after the disaster when that person who bought on the top of the cliff top says, well, I didn't know the cliff was going to crumble. I have not, I, I've never believed in climate change and I bought this in good faith. I need to be rescued by the government. And this is why the taxpayer needs to have all the information in the LIM report and the models and the scenario so that in court you can say, okay, you had that information, so you had to read the information. Hard luck. And just finally, uh, Michael, uh, what is the role of the government here if, uh, for example, a lot of insurers do pull out? In some other countries, in the United States and Florida, uh, homeowners, landowners have gotten together and said, right, we need the government to insure us because the private sector has pulled out. What about the prospect of some sort of government-subsidised insurance scheme? We have the either EQC. I mean, we have a good chance that the reinsurers will pull out. The EQC could offer what's called a cat bond, whereby they pay money, but if an event occurs, the bonds are not repaid, which they have been told they should do and not issue this so far. As I said, the, the, the major problem is that this will come back on the government as a, a payment crisis when the next huge event occurs. So the risk here is that we see the losses socialised right across taxpayers. But the benefits of high land values and maybe rising land values are kept by the private owners. Precisely. That's the, the common insurance around the world. 
Dr. Michael Naylor there, a senior lecturer in finance and banking, looking at particularly uh, climate finance. Thank you very much for being on When the Facts Change. Okay, thank you. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, Podcast Manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.